Today on Beyond the Rig, we're going to make a vice president see what it's really like to be over the road. Now let's get trucking. Beyond the rig. All right, start it off, Will. Well, I don't even know how to start off. I mean, we've been waiting on season two, so here we are. Uh, I can't believe that I'm actually back for season two. So for anybody that liked me, here I am. For those that dislike me, hey, I'm back again, hopefully with a little more energy uh, on season two, a little more fun topics that we're going to share with you, and uh, we're going to make it a memorable experience here for uh, season two. Welcome to season two of Beyond the Rig, Will. Absolutely, um, sir. Corey Webster filling in for Linda Domini. Um, so I'm second string. Sorry, guys. And for those of you that are wondering where Linda may be at, uh, as you could see, a couple flops on the first season. So she's in podcast training boot camp right now. So uh, hopefully she gets it together. <laughs> And uh, on the next episode, you should see her back and rearing and ready to go. Will has been known to stretch the truth just a tiny bit, but I'm sure Linda will get you back when she comes back. So there's, there's my free bus drive right over Linda without her even knowing it. So. so, Will, what did you do on the break from season one? I mean, the first thing I noticed when I walked in is you have a perfect tan. Lots of walking, ex outdoor exercises. Uh, it wasn't the Bahamas. so uh, I'm pretty sure you went somewhere exotic and did something fun. I seem to remember on our last podcast that you were going to go to Tennessee and go noodling. Yeah, so uh, interesting fact about the noodling, besides the fact that I was uh, completely scared to death that you guys even called me out on that. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I watch river monsters and I'm scared to death to even get in the lake. And so we had planned, me and my family had planned a trip to uh, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area, back to Tennessee. And uh, I had made a vow to you guys to attempt to get video footage. And I want you to know that I, I did make a valiant effort. I went to some random guy in a river. But thankfully, the river was up he said it was too high to even go noodling. So that's my uh, get out of jail free card. So no noodling happened. All right. We're going to take a, we're going to take a rain check on the noodling. Right. So here, here's what I'll do. I'll make a shout out to the guests. So back in Oklahoma, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee, if anybody would like to take will noodling, you let me know. And I will I will pull my man card out and go noodling one more time in my life just for the viewers because I gave my word. I'm scared to death, but I'll do it. You can't use the river was too high excuse next time. No, man, it's scary. I'm glad it didn't happen. Well, hey, I'm excited to be back on the first episode of Beyond the Rig. We have a new set. Hope you can all take it. For those of you that can see the streaming broadcast, so there's some, made some changes to it, and we have an exciting uh, lineup of guests, two of which are with us today. So let's introduce them. Actually, three. We have Burt Reynolds. Oh. So it, for those of you that I forgot about Burt. Yeah, so Burt is kind of like a third wheel. He's a, he's a co-host, and he's going to be with us for the entirety, and he's helping us introduce the guest over here. He'll set the bar. Yeah, it's kind of awkward looking at him over here. I don't know. Is he looking at you, me, or Actually, he's looking at the new 
wall. Our new wall over our here. podcast. Yeah. So the wall's exciting. a little more energetic, huh? A lot better, more better energetic. than that old prison gray looking stuff, huh? A lot more energetic. Oh, yeah. Props to you guys for the decorations on the wall. So shout out to our guests and like to welcome with us Shane Taylor and Russell Yoakum. And they have an interesting story to tell us today um, about an experience they had together doing a ride along yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, it was, it's been a couple of weeks now. Yeah. yeah, I'm still recovering. You're so. still recovering, right? Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience in, in trucking and then also... Would you, Russell, too, tell us about how you got into transportation and then how you guys got together? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, we have to know about him. So we're getting into dessert. We're skipping over dinner here. I laid it out like in a nice (laughs) format, right? Yeah, you did. You did. Take it away. I understood what you meant, Corey. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Shane and uh, Shane Taylor. And so I I work here at Night Transportation and... uh, I've been in the transportation logistics world for about five years now. Um, relatively new compared to you, Corey, and you, Will. Um, previous to, to coming into transportation, I, I worked in uh, construction and land development for about 20 years. Uh, lived in outside the country for a little while, building outside the United States. Um, Came back to the United States and then started working here. I, I've worked in the maintenance group, so in our shops. Um, and then I ran safety for a little while. Um, and then most recently, uh, I work kind of as an operation support individual. So basically anything to assist our driving associates is what I work on, which I couldn't think of a, a better place to be, actually. So. Since drivers, that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Um, Anytime we can give them support and help them. Absolutely. It makes, Absolutely. it makes things go a lot smoother. Which right? is, which is what led me to, to find Russell really as, as a professional driver. And, uh, we had a chance to go out together. So, so maybe Russ, if you want to introduce yourself. Uh, yeah. So I've been in the industry since I was 19 years old. Um, most of that experience has been in the shops, being a diesel mechanic. I uh, learned a lot about the industry that way. Learned a lot about trucks that way and trucking um, and just kind of ended up getting my CDL as, as a mechanic to test drive vehicles and pick up deliveries. Um, and then, you know, reached a point where kind of got burned out on that and decided you know, I want to go drive and be an over the road driver and use my CDL for, for my actual job. Right. And um, yeah. So I've got a question for you. How, what made you want to be a tech a diesel tech. I turn a few wrenches. I know just enough to be dangerous. But I will tell you that Will sent me a picture a week ago on his phone with a power... Uh, master brake cylinder. Master brake cylinder. And he was doing his own repair. But he didn't know which was the in and the outflow. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, right. I'm just kidding, right? I didn't even know what I had. I just ordered something. So, so those of us that are shade tree mechanics, um, often do it because we like to do our own thing or learn a little bit more. Is that how you, yeah. So I've always been into cars. Um, and I think with a lot of mechanics and, you know, it's a hobby first. So, um, just, you know, out of, out of high school, the, the four year college thing just really wasn't for me. I wanted to 
learn a trade um, and just get out there working as soon as I could. So, so yeah, I went to a trade school, uh, learned a lot there. Um, kind of in the middle of that, decided I wanted to focus more on the diesel side of things. So, you know, took took all their diesel programs and um, just ended up getting my first gig was at a uh, truck stop company here and doing uh, roadside service and stuff everywhere from Phoenix to the Cali state line. Um, busting tires down on the side of the highway. Oh my. Wasn't, wasn't the most fun job, but it, it got me in the door in the industry. Um, and then, yeah, ended up coming over here tonight and working on our, our fleet trucks and learning a lot here about just the industry in general. And yeah. Lots of opportunities in the, to learning a technical trade and then applying it, you know, versus going to college Lots of opportunities. Okay, Absolutely, so yeah. I can't help but ask you. You said you're into cars. You know that's how you got your your interest, right? Yes. So I have two old Broncos in my backyard. And his Uh-oh. wife would love for you to come over and get running for Corey to get him out of there. So one one hadn't <laughs> okay. run for twelve years, and one hadn't run for about seven years, and I've I've got them both running. But I have a few questions, so maybe after the podcast, we could hook up and talk about Absolutely, my yeah. my my, yeah. Uh, my old Broncos. So hold. So he said that he didn't run in twelve years. They're currently still not running. <laughs> and if his wife is listening, hey, she would uh, probably pay you to come take them out of there. So uh, yeah, she would put a mechanically in on it, right? <laughs> but I will tell you that every young kid that comes over, or every guy that comes over and sees my my first Bronco, they want it. Especially when they learned that I paid $200 for it. I got to ask, what year is it? We, we all offer him double what he paid for it. Exactly. <laughs> That's so, how good a condition it's in. So question for you. When, um, when, you, when you were a tech, do you prefer working in the shop or on the mobile repair side? Absolutely the shop. It is not fun being on the side of the road. It really isn't. Um, shop has air conditioning. Exactly. That's one major thing out here. Um, you know, I worked that job actually during the summer. So, you know, I was out there on I-10, 115, 118 degrees, you know, laying on the asphalt, literally underneath a truck and cars whizzing by. And um, I hope you took a mat, some sort of mat to insulate you from laying on the asphalt. No, usually I would just, uh, fortunately, the truck's probably been there long enough now, broke yeah. down on the side of the road that the shade from the truck has kind of cooled the asphalt cool down, down to at least 130. At least yeah. 130, so, right? Um, so how do you bust a tire on the side of the road? Uh, well, you, you basically, so so unlike a spare tire on a car that comes with the, the rim and the tire all together, all you have to do is bolt it onto the vehicle, right? Trucks really aren't that way. So you have to take the tire off of the rim and then remount a new tire back onto the rim um, and then put it all back on the truck. And do it Tennessee style, like a can of ether, you know, no tire cage, nothing. Probably not the it's same. Not the, yes, if you're listening, do not do that. Yeah, just, don't try that. Yes. Um, it, it, it doesn't work, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so, you, so, so I still, I want to get down to the nitty gritty. You say you have a, a, a tire that's not mounted yes. on a rim. How do you get the old tire off the rim? Uh, so there's tools called tire bars. Um, and you basically, you, you deflate the tire, break it off the bead, shove the tire bar. Breaking it off like with a sledgehammer? Yeah. So once it's deflated, you can either, uh, sometimes you can just stand on it and break it off. Other yeah. times you got to hit it with a sledgehammer. Wheel could stand right on it. Um, it would break right off. Blowouts uh, are kind of easy because you can just 
cut the pieces of the tire off the wheel and you know i've oh, actually yeah. i've yeah. actually tried doing that and it was not for me man it's it was like wrestling a pig i can't do it <laughs> i was trying to very heavy too yeah i think a lot of people don't realize how heavy especially with the the rim i mean 250 300 pounds well you see you see professional athletes trying to flip those tires over as an exercise yeah. right absolutely oh. yeah um so yeah once you get the tire off the wheel uh you, you, you lube up your new tire with some soap or tire lube, and you basically, uh, at, at the time, I was a little bit smaller of a person, so um, I'd have to jump on them, and I probably looked like a crazy monkey on the side of the road <laughs> jumping on this tire trying to get it to get over the V to the wheels. So so literally, man, manually, you manhandle the tire onto the rim. It's completely manual. Both yeah. sides. Wow. No wonder you got into driving. Good for you. Yeah. 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 I got burned out on, on that. So. so my my dad, sorry. So yeah. that's what I, as you're talking about mechanic work, my dad just retired as a diesel mechanic for like 48 years. And uh, I watched him come home and just scrub his fingernails. My papaw was just kind of hunched over from lifting transmissions. So I decided they tried teaching me that stuff when I was younger. And I thought, Mm-mm. If you guys are miserable and I see what it's done to your bodies, I yeah. said, why do I want to get into that? So that's yeah. why I chose the different aspect of trucking. Set behind right. the wheel and now behind the desk. And it's Absolutely. easier. It's not as it's less stressful, but not very much so. So yeah, good for I, you for honestly for uh, for getting in and being at a young age and uh, trying it out and seeing different aspects of transportation. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been fun. You know, I, you get really comfortable in, in trucking and um, you know, this is just an industry that there's so much different opportunities and different roles you can play in, in the industry. So does it, let me ask you this. So if you're broke down on the side of the road, does your driver manager expect you to fix your own truck and stuff or, or <laughs> they expect you to call in the breakdown? For so sure. I, I do carry tools with me. I think all drivers should, you know, especially if you can get you out of a dangerous situation. Um, every time I've broken down the side of the road, it's usually something that I can't fix. You know, I don't carry tire bars with me. I don't carry uh, a cheetah, a bead cedar, you know. Great going. You'll probably pioneer the way now. We're going to equip all of our trucks with that. <laughs> so thanks. Um, and then <laughs> other issues that I've had with the truck are just stuff that I really can't fix. You know, I can't diagnose an electrical problem on the side of the road. I don't have the equipment to do that. Um, so That's easy. the good thing about having equipment with warranty, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, let somebody else take it into a shop. And it, it's really nice to just, uh, I'll break down now and let them deal with it <laughs> and take right. it to a shop. And, exactly. Um, you were on the other end of those calls. Now you're on the front end of the yes, calls. Yeah. So what would you tell a driver, a new driver to the industry? What kind of tools should they take with them? Um, just basic hand tools, you know, wrenches of various sizes. There's not a whole lot of small nuts and bolts on a truck. So the bigger, the better. Um, hammer. Absolutely. I use my hammer probably once a week at least. Well, it you fixes know, it everything, including it, TVs, right? You hit anything hard enough, it'll it, start working it fixes, at some point. It fixes yeah. it, So we right? have to clarify for the listeners, he means like hard objects, not people, anything of, uh, of that. It's yeah. mechanical <laughs> use only. <laughs> yes. Not to be used as a weapon. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and yeah, just, you know, duct tape goes a long way. Bungee cords, absolutely bungee cords. Now we're talking Always Tennessee carry. style there. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Well, a lot of roadside fixes are <laughs> Tennessee style fixes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so that, so that's, that's great. Good advice for uh, those that are getting on the road. So what was your big, what, 
when you first got back into driving and went, got your CDL, Mm -hmm. what was the biggest adjustment you had to make? Absolutely. Being away from home. You know, that's, that's obviously the hardest part of driving, you know, and the biggest lifestyle change is, you know, I'm usually out there two to three weeks at a time. Um, if I'm lucky, I can run through Phoenix a couple times mm-hmm. throughout that. Uh, sometimes not, though. You know, sometimes I'm running back east. And, yeah, so that was, I mean, I think that's probably the hardest adjustment for any driver when they first get into this industry is it's a totally different lifestyle out there. You know, you, you leave wherever home base is, and you're kind of just out in the system, basically, for the next two or three weeks. You have no idea where you're going. You have no idea what's next. Even when you do think you know what you're doing next, plans change and it could be something totally different. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest adjustment, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you you think, as you said, you had your CDO previously before coming in too. do you think you were set up for success coming on with a large company, like going out, knowing what to expect because you you're married, your wife has no idea you're walking into an industry to keep you moving, make money. But do you think the groundwork was done for you correctly getting into it? Expectations were set? And I think just, you know, with my previous experience in the industry, um, I wasn't really coming in cold. Like, I knew a lot about what driving entailed. Um, I've talked to a lot of drivers. You know, I've met many, many drivers over my time being a mechanic. Um, So I knew what to expect really, really well. And I think that made it a lot easier um, because I knew it was going to be tough. You know, I... Sometimes there's this false image of truck driving. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, we do get to see some beautiful places. And I've been, you know, I've, I have a blast out there on the road. Um, but it's tough, though. And it's tough most of the time. Um, but I, I didn't know that going in. So that definitely made it easier to, to transition into driving. Are there any questions that if you could go back on day one? And say, man, I wish I would have asked that. Or it's most of the time, it's usually just figure it out training. You get out there as you're going. If you could go back, is there any questions that you would say, man, I wish I would have asked this to kind of set me up in a better position that you could maybe help somebody else coming into the industry? Um, it's kind of tough. Um, you know, I just. Man, I don't, I don't really know. Because <laughs> the, the reason I asked yeah. when, when I got into it, it was I was young, single, and I just kind of took off. You, you're in a yeah. different situation to where there's responsibilities on the Absolutely. other end, and uh, a, a lot of drivers coming into that, they they think it's one way, but in reality, it's totally different. So they're having to communicate, and they're trying to balance learning a new trade. Right. And then communicate that back with their significant other kids. And uh, sometimes it gets difficult to balance that out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for anybody new that's, you know, has a significant other or or a family, you know, talk to them. Make sure you guys are completely on board with what you're going to be doing. Because, you know, as as tough as it is for me, you know, it's also tough for my wife at home. Um, I'm gone for two weeks at a time. You know what I mean? That's not a, a normal relationship. So any children? Yes. Uh, one month old baby. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So if she was here today, would she say it's easy for what she's having to go through compared to what you're going through? Cause it's new to you too. I mean, your excitement of being a dad right. and a one month old at home. Yeah. I mean, you're missing out on a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, <clears throat> uh, the last couple of weeks when, you know, I, I, I took some time off obviously. Um, but at some point I got to get back in the truck. Right. It was definitely tougher because it's like, 
now I'm leaving a big chunk of my life home, you know? So, so Hey, one of the, one of the great things about, you know, the advances that have been made in, you know, in technology over the years. So going back way back, everybody used to use a payphone, Right. And you had to pull over on the side of our road and, and call. So we, when we didn't have cell phones, we used to have our drivers call in at least twice a day. So they had to find a place to stop. Right. At least now you've got cell phones, you've got Wi-Fi, you've got FaceTime. Absolutely. And, and I think your advice is really good. Make sure you communicate with your loved ones, your friends, and use that technology to stay in touch. Yeah. Right. FaceTime makes a world of difference. World of Absolutely. difference. And plus the larger corporations are with freight. I mean, how they're able to keep you in closer proximity to home. Like yes. the, back in the day, you know, it was kind of just send a driver out and good luck. You bounce around the United States and you see home when you see home. But now that's what a lot of people don't realize. The larger companies out there, they, uh, they don't understand the inner workings, but they do have a lot of opportunities to keep, you know, close ties to family, you're closer to home, able to have a kind of a work-life balance. So that is very good that you got into it when you did. Yeah. And, and I run through Phoenix pretty frequently. I would say most of my work <coughs> is West coast. Um, I do a lot of SoCal. Um, I do run out East. I'll run, you know, anywhere they want to send me. Uh, but it seems like the vast majority of what I do is kind of, you know, Arizona, California, you're still in good spirits too, man. That SoCal will change yeah. you. Yeah. So you're a brave SoCal's soul. a rough place to drive a truck. <laughs> I yeah. was going to so say. SoCal's so, a rough place to drive anything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say you're a brave soul. Uh, some professional drivers want to avoid yes. Southern California all the time. Yeah. it's. Did you ever experience SoCal with a manual transmission? No, I have not. Oh, um, so. I'm, I love manual trucks. Um it's naturally kind of being a car guy too, you know, right. like that, the mechanical mm-hmm. feeling of it. Um, but yeah, when you're down there on the 405 in it's a different you know, beast, huh? You appreciate the four autom- hours to automatic? your next exit. Yeah. yeah it's really nice to have the, uh, the automatic <laughs> transmission for sure. So well, you, I'm sorry. My turn. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> you said, you said, um, perceptions and some people have different perceptions. So how, what has changed in your mind of how people, civilians, perceive driving associates? That's question one. And question two is um, people that haven't driven a truck in the transportation industry, how better can they learn what your life is like and then let you guys talk about that? Yeah. Um, I already forgot what question one was. See, my memory is really great too, but it's just really short. Probably wouldn't have happened if Linda yeah, would have been here. I'm just yeah, saying. Exactly. So, uh, people's percep- perceptions, civilians, um, how have you encountered how they perceive drivers, professional drivers? Um, you know, like I said earlier, I kind of started my driving career right as the pandemic was kind of at its worst and we were shutting down. Um, I think this last year, year and a half has been the best perception that truck drivers has, has ever had. Um, you know, we're kind of like a a forgotten, um, industry to a lot of people and which makes no sense because everything that we ever have was delivered by a truck driver at some point. Right. Um, I think the, the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, um, 
and just in general shelves being empty, people started really appreciating truck drivers, you know, and you would see it on social media more than, than I ever have. Uh, you'd hear about it on TV and just, we were kind of heroes, you know, and, and still are, we, we really, really didn't change anything. You know, we just did our job. We did everything as normal. Um, but we were the only people out there on the roads though. Yeah, I know. And you truly are, our, our driving associates across the country deserve a, a big round of applause because they really kept the company, the country going. And like you said, the supply chain has always been there, but when you run out of stuff, all of a sudden you, you don't take it for granted anymore. You realize how important drivers are. And drivers kept going, you know, yeah. whereas lots of companies had to shut down and, you know, America depended on, on the supply chain. So I agree with you. I think the perception of a professional driver has risen in, the, in many people's eyes. So how does a, an office person or a support person learn what it's like to be a driver? Shane. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just add to what you said, Corey. I, I, I hope that people don't forget, like, how essential drivers are, like, what we've come through, you know. I, I hope people don't forget. And and I, I love the fact that this podcast reminds people, hopefully, outside of the industry, right, how important drivers are because – I don't know. I, as I look in this room with us today, um, Russell has the hardest job in the room without a doubt. No doubt. And he probably has the most important job in the room. If you consider our economy and moving it forward and families and what they need. Something that most people, you know, don't, don't know, uh, maybe have forgotten and need to remember. Um, but I, what I agree. Yeah. What, what we did was, was really something I think that was needed by me, but it, it was great to do, um, just to get uh, a better understanding of what it's like to be a driver over the road for somebody that is supposed to really work to support our drivers. If you've never done the job and I've had drivers tell me this, like if you've never done the job, how do you know how hard it is, Shane? Is that your first ride along? Yeah, I'd done another one, oh, done but that. it was just local. Oh, we never it, out of town. Like never out of town, and gotcha. uh, you know, overnight sleeping in the cab, uh, the full full experience. So driving it, driving in L.A. Driving in L.A. <laughs> and just experiencing, I think, a lot of things that drivers uh, get to experience every day. That you're like, wait, what? What? What do you have to do? And we got to wait for how long? Where are we going to go? We're going to sit here and wait for four hours. Oh, Just, wait. You said wait three times in the last 20 seconds. Yeah. Was that a part of your experience? It, it was. We When we started out, Russell started his clock, and we needed to find an empty, and that was a challenge. Uh, it took us a couple hours to find an empty. Wow. Which uh, I don't know if that's a standard practice, but it was a little frustrating. Did that start out like here in Phoenix? Here you in guys Phoenix. started out in Phoenix, so you had to start out looking for an empty yeah. here. Yeah. And then find your way over to. Yeah, uh, and I was, I was amazed at how Russell handled it, like, he was just a professional. He didn't get upset. He was just calm and cool. And we went to two spots, wow. couldn't find it. He called his driver manager. He offered up a couple of other locations. We went and, and we found one at the third location. Great. Um, so I heard there's some things in the works that's even going to make that experience even better. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're working on a few things. We talked a little yeah. bit about it. Yeah, so Exciting, it should yeah. it should be a huge improvement in yeah. the industry. 
So what else was shocking, Shane? Kind so of a revelation. Yeah. So your your picture you're painting for everyone listening is you've you're you're new to the industry. He you've got a high important person in my opinion riding with you to see what it's like out there to understand it. So he's getting a dose of what you are going through. And right. nine times out of ten, man, that uh, that frustration sets in for what he just described as possibly annoying you, having to find a trailer. It's hot here in Phoenix. You're ready to work. So that's already set in. So you guys find your trailer, and then what? You get on over to uh, SoCal. Yeah, then we could actually start the work day. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, we went and picked up our load. Uh, it was just a drop and hook. So we found that trailer just to give it right, right away to the – Customer again. Um, so for those that don't know what a drop and hook is, what is that? So that is where we take an empty trailer to a customer um, and then we leave with a loaded trailer. So, so you just swap it. Yeah. Swap so it some out. of you our larger your customers will, will have a trail, our trailers there. Um, so basically we, we give them an empty and then that gives them a trailer to load. And then when that trailer is loaded, another driver will come grab it and give them an empty so they can load that back out again. Makes it a lot easier on the driver side of things because we're not there for what they call a live load, which is where they're physically putting the product into the trailer that you bring and you're, you're going on the road after that, but that can be a long time every now and then. So let, let's paint this yeah. picture for, for people new to the industry. So when you see trailer swap, you're going into a customer locally here in Phoenix, they right. think, Oh, I'm going to drop a trailer off. But man, you just described it a second ago as, Finding a trailer that could be hours. Yes, traffic. I mean, Phoenix is on a grid, and yep. you know, just the people getting from one location to the next to get in there is a uh, that could scare a lot of people away. So I'm glad you guys are talking about that because I have people on a daily basis that say they do not think that driving is for them. People are painting this picture as a driver, and it's like, oh, I get to do a drop and hook over here. I'm dropping an empty, picking up a live load, and then I'm going off 366 miles to Los Angeles to drop it off. Life is good. I'm back home. Yeah. And that's not always the case. No, not always the case. And this particular drop and hook um, was even more difficult than, than usual because I had to physically remove. So I brought the empty trailer. I had to drop my empty trailer in their parking lot somewhere grab the loaded trailer out of their dock door, bring the loaded trailer somewhere else in the parking lot, drop the loaded trailer, rehook to my empty trailer, back the empty trailer into the dock, unhook from that, and then hook up to my loaded trailer. Um, and it was an, it was an experience. It yeah. was, an experience. was a lot of stuff to do. So, yeah. um, so how long did all of that take? I Just think, getting I think, out of town. Well, so it took us two hours to find the empty. When we finally went to the customer there to pick up the load, and, and Russell went through what he just described. Uh, I think that took about 45 minutes. And then we still had to fuel and scale the load. And so we didn't really head out of town until like 11, Yeah, I think. Yeah, close to 11. So let me yeah. ask you a question, Jane. So you're being asked to do a ride-along. Yeah. You know, and uh, in your mind, it's thinking. I wanted to do it yeah. well. I no, wasn't no, asked. I, let me rephrase it. I'm yes, just kidding. You, you, <laughs> you volunteered yourself to yeah, see what I it's did, like. I, I really did want to know. A driver. Yeah. So yeah. locally, so you're here, you've already went through the two hours, you're getting, you know, behind in schedule knowing you have to be in a different city. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so in your mind, you're thinking, 
what at this point? Does it change your perception actually getting to go through? Because most people that do ride-alongs, honestly, everything is, it seems like it's so scripted and it, it's, it's really cool yeah. that you got to experience the fact of what drivers go through. Yeah, no, for me, I immediately knew this is going to be a really long day after we got all of that done and we're heading on a, you know, we're headed to LA and I know how far it is cause I lived in California and, uh, and we're just starting out. So I'm like, this can be a long day. And I, and I think Russell and I talked about that. I'm like, is this, uh, is this how it is every day for you? Like, cause I, I was doing the math and I'm like, we're going to get to the Fontana yard around seven thirty, Right. And, uh, I was just like, man, is this what, is this what it's like? And, and he was like, yeah, it is Shane. It's a, it's a tough job. And that didn't take into account that that night you're going to sleep in this, in the bunk. Um, Maybe not get the best night's sleep. Hopefully you do. I, I got four hours of sleep. The cab was super comfy. Uh, AC was blowing. It was nice. Um, he's he's driving a really nice truck. Right. Which, by the way, he keeps it immaculate. Like, I was really impressed with how clean he keeps his truck. So Well, that's because he knew you were coming. I don't right? think it was scripted, <laughs> though. I think that's how he is. When people come to my house, I clean it extra special. Yeah. <laughs> no, that uh, that's good. So why do you keep your truck clean? I got to live in it, you know. And um, there is a sense of pride with, with keeping the outside of the truck clean, too. You know, we all want to have the nice, shiny red truck going down the road. Um, but the inside, like, that's my home, you know. And, and I'm a trainer as well. So um, to me, it's not very professional for someone that's new to the company, probably new to the industry, getting into a truck that's a mess inside, right? Um, exactly. It, it puts a bad image on me. Um, so I, I like to keep a clean truck all the time. I know how I feel if I need to get an Uber and the Uber driver drives up and if their car is spotless and freshly vacuumed, has an air freshener in it, I just feel so much more yeah. comfortable. Yeah. It's, and you don't have to worry about that. That says a lot about you, man. Because you, you'd be amazed at how many times a brand new person to the industry gets in someone's truck. There's bottles, there's trash, there's dog hair. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's not very warm and inviting when you get into a, a home like that. They're already making a big lifestyle mm-hmm. change, right? Leaving their home to live in a truck, right? So already it's not a glamorous life. Why make it worse by now it's a trash pit inside, you know? Oh, that's such great advice. I think it's that great advice. There's a lot about you. Good for you. Um, I, I want to share with you guys the other side of that. You know, you're internally motivated to have a great working place and living place in your truck and keep it clean. Our customers, who are the other component of the transportation industry, drivers earn the money and the customers pay the money, they notice stuff like that. They, and, and because I was in sales for 25 years, interfacing directly with the company i loved getting feedback from um, good or bad to help us improve Mm -hmm. about how they perceived the trucks the equipment the drivers and i loved it when they said hey you guys have the best drivers they're always friendly they're always courteous Um, they don't disrupt things and your equipment is awesome they notice yeah and and aside from the customers 
DOT notices too. Um, you know, in, in my time in the industry, I've, I've met DOT officers and um, training and stuff that's come along with me being a technician. And um, you know what the number one thing that they're going to pull a truck in for when you're going through the scale? A messy dashboard. Look at the dashboard. Seriously? You've got 25 McDonald's wrappers up there and, and all your paperwork and 15 GPSs and a flat screen television and whatever you got going on on your windshield. Who are they going to pull in? You or the guy with the nice shiny rig that, you know, obviously has pride in his job, pride in his truck. Guess yeah. which one's going to get pulled in for an inspection? Yeah. I, it totally. would be just like human nature, right? Yeah. Someone that, that, that probably has that clutter on there might not do a very good pre-trip, might overlook some of the safety things that you want to be checking, you know. So you're that's great advice. Great advice. What else was surprising on your ride along? Um, I, I think, so when we got to that first customer, we got there, our, 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 the next morning, our delivery was at 6 a.m. So we, we were a little concerned with traffic if we were going to get there on time. We got there just a tad bit late, I think 15 minutes late, but we were both nervous that they were going to be like, reject the load, you know? <laughs> oh, yes. Which could have happened, right? So... So we get there, uh, we walk up to the receiving door, we both go in, and immediately we were yelled at. The customer was like, get out of here. <laughs> and Russell looks at me and he's like, you better go outside. <laughs> so, yeah. so I walked outside, and then a couple <laughs> seconds later he walked outside, <laughs> and we had to sit there and wait, <laughs> wait for them. They were doing a shift change. And they didn't want us in there. Didn't want you on the dock. Yeah. Right? And so even though they didn't really have a sign that said, hey, don't come in, it just said receiving. So so you got the warm and fuzzy greeting. Yeah, we got yeah. a great a great experience, right? A lot of these customers have rules that they don't really post anywhere. The yeah. unwritten ones? Yeah. Yeah. They enforce they, them very... they <laughs> want you to read their minds. Very politely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Get out of here. So that was enlightening for me is just, again, the treatment, you know, of a professional driver who's driven all the way across from Arizona <laughs> comes over, he gets there, does everything he can to get there on time. And then they're like, get out of here. <laughs> get know? out of here. So you're so, killing me in suspense. Yeah. Did they take your load? They did. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, actually we ended up waiting for them quite a bit longer than they waited for us. Yeah. Just to check in. Um, yeah. Wow. So that kind of gave the illusion that we weren't really as late which, as, as we, which the other amazing part of it is his ability to back the truck in. Cause it was super tight in their in their yard and uh i was like man are you nervous are you nervous about this because <laughs> i'm looking at it like how are we gonna get in there and get out <laughs> and he was like no i i've done this before i've done this a lot of times so we'll we'll be fine and he he crushed it he just maneuvered right into this super tight spot uh, around these other trucks you know into this bay just like a champ and then wow. and then we proceeded to wait for four hours it was a live unload. Oh, man. Oh, wow. And uh, so we had a lot of time to get to know each other. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, talk about family, and which was great. Yeah. But again, uh, that's the real experience. I think our uh, driving, a professional driver experience is right. out on the road and something that we, we perhaps in the office don't fully appreciate. Exactly. By the time we left that place, you know, we're already six, seven hours into my day. 
Right. You know, and so you, the, the maximum you could drive would be another eight hours. And right. that's if you didn't have to do anything else. So yeah. I want, that's what I want to talk and kind of roll right into like waiting. So hearing from start to finish over here. So I want you guys to talk about like waiting. So give your perspective. Like we get, we get told, hurry up and get down there as fast as you can to hurry up and wait. Yep. And so I want to hear from you on how you communicate with adjusting your life as a driver, like potentially getting back home to your wife and kids to yeah. having a guest that he might have to plan stuff as well. But what was both of your guys' perception on being told that we'll get to you when we can, how you were talked to by the customer when you arrived? Because it's very hard to drive through and navigate through all the traffic. Then you do your part. And unfortunately, sometimes that causes drivers, once again, they get that bad taste. Mm-hmm. It takes one one customer to say something and how they talk to an individual. And they could say, you know what? I'm not in doing this anymore. I'm ready yeah. to walk away. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it is hard to bite my tongue, you know, especially after those long days. And I barely make it there. And, you know, they don't treat you very nicely. Um do yeah, you get I, angry at the driver manager? Because I think p- what people never really talk about is a driver shows up, right. and the first thing they do, they lash out at a driver manager. When in reality, it's driver managers have to get the freight from a planner. The planner has to deal with the account manager, the sales team. So there's a lot of communication. So it, it's not defending, but there is a process. And I just want to see if you as a driver understand it to maybe help others in the industry understand the process. Right. Um, things like that, they're not my driver manager's fault. You know, he didn't know. You know, the, he has his job of running my truck. And he doesn't know if the customer is going to be nice or not. Um, I don't either. You know, I find out on the spot. Like, okay, well, they don't like us. <laughs> um, so... No, I, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for everyone in the dispatch office, honestly, and um, I always keep my cool with them. And, you know, they're not ever out to make our lives harder, right? They want to make the truck move smoothly as they can down the road, right? Because miles are money. So we don't want those types of situations on, on both ends, right? And I think that's where my experience as a technician um, helped a lot too, because I've been yelled at by many, many drivers, right? For things that 100% of the time were not my fault. Um, so why would I yell and get angry with, with someone that's trying to help me out? You know, I've been there before. I didn't break your truck, guy. Don't right. yell at me. Like, I understand there's frustrations when you're in the shop. It rolls and downhill always. It rolls downhill yeah. real quick. Well, you got yeah. some good training beforehand yeah. Yeah, on, sure on customer service training. Yeah. On, yeah. on not treating others like you don't want to be treated, right. basically. Do you, have you found, like Will said, that your response sometimes can affect the conversation going forward with a customer? Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you see guys that run into the shipping office at shippers and they throw a big fit because of the weight. Well, guess who just probably got bumped in line the wrong direction? You know what I mean? It's human nature, right? So exactly. are you going to, whose truck do you want to load faster? The guy that was nice to you and understanding? Like, okay, yeah, you know, it's a long wait, but... It is what it is. Professional. Yep. Nice to them. Smile goes a long way. In Absolutely. There. Yeah. Or are you going to load the guy first that came in screaming at you? Guess what right. truck is going to be leaving? I've been bumped yeah. to the front of the line several times and guys are ready to fight you and jump you yeah. as soon as you're walking out. And yeah. it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm in aggressive and hot. You'll find out 
you'll get shoved back to the back of the line real quick. How did exactly. you get to the front of the line? Best best town. Got to smooth them. <laughs> smooth them. Free gifts, <laughs> food. Move trailers around Donuts. for them. Okay. Anything there you can do. Donuts. Yeah. Move a trailer around. There you go. There's some hot, there's yeah. some good tips, right? Yep. So on the other side, for sure, when you have customers that maybe are a little less desirable than others, I want you to know on the sales side, we're trying to work with those customers. In fact, in the app on your phone, you can rate your customers' loads, and we, we gather that information and take that back. Plus, we try to hold their feet to the fire when they detain drivers, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that it's not a negative compensation for you. So what would you rather have, though? Detention pay or over-the-road pay? Over-the-road pay. Over-the-road pay, right? Yeah. So, but detention pay maybe eases the pain a little bit, right? A little bit. Um, but, you know, you know how much you can make over-the-road driving. You kind of have that number in your head, right? Oh, and for sure. at the dock. You're not making anything close to that. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, your day could be affected, right? So now instead of, hey, I was planning on getting 450 miles down the road, potentially home, mm-hmm. now that I've been here for so long, I might only be able to make it 200 miles, and I'm not going to be able to get home today, or I'm not going to be able to make it to my next load, and it kind of domino effects. Um, now you're late to the next shipper. Well, if that's a live load, guess what? You lost your slot to get into the dock. Now you're a work in. Yeah. One of the cool things Corey was referring to on technology. So is everything is like survey driven anymore in our society. And the cool thing is about the larger corporations that when they send this feedback out, if a driver rates a customer like long wait times, how they were treated, disrespectful, no parking, just whatever. Right. Uh, they set back down internally, and they negotiate that when it's time to say when freight season, uh, who do you think they're going to get freight from? The people, customers that were disrespectful to the drivers or the ones that treated our drivers with utmost respect? Right. So they do look at that feedback, and it is a big deal. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I, w- I would just add, like, one of the things, one of the reasons I was also in the truck was to learn – where we could make improvements and what we could do to make Russell's job more efficient and easier. And and I came away with just a ton of notes, but one of the things as far as waiting goes is the industry is set up that way, right? And it's been that way for a long time. Why, why do we accept it? We don't have to, we can, we can make changes. We can come up with innovations to, to change it. For example, all the paperwork, we go into the receiving office with the bill of lading as a pa- piece of paper that's does, old any, sc- that's does anybody old use yeah paper anymore that's old school. i mean <laughs> seriously right uh that that's where we're going and, and those type of improvements to make russell's job easier or any professional driver easier was was uh there were just so many things that need to be improved you know could you imagine Which is one of the reasons i was out there to try to get that information so that's great can you imagine the technology exists where a receiver tracks your truck and electronically you check in like yeah. you do the airlines right. an hour before you yeah. get there. They can see where you are. They have your paperwork. Yeah. You drive in. You don't even have to go in the office out. to get yeah. yelled at. Right. 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 That's t- in the that's where, that's where we're going. I mean, that's where we need to get to. And, uh, it's going to take some innovation to get us there, but I, 
You wouldn't miss getting yelled at, man. It'll be there. Do you really want that to go away? Every now and then it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's okay. It keeps us in check. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, they can totally send all caps messages. Yeah, all caps. You feel like you're getting yelled at. You get yelled at when it's your (laughs) turn to drive in, right? That's funny. Exactly. Uh, Some of these places, this is funny because it's like, do you want your stuff or not? Right. You know, I'm here right now. The truck is here. Let's unload it. You ordered it. What's the problem? You know? So what piece of advice would you give as we kind of wrap this up? What piece of advice would you give new old drivers to the industry out there now? Because you you honestly have a great personality and a good attitude for what you've gone through and what you've experienced. So, hey, that's awesome that you're a good leader and a mentor out there for other people. So use this as a platform to kind of give advice to anybody in the industry right now. Sum it up. Stay patient. Um, patience is key out here. Um, when you get in a hurry, that's when you're going to make a mistake and complacency, you know, don't get complacent with the truck and the job because the second you get too comfortable with the truck is when you're going to rub up against the pole or potentially worse. Right. Um, so just always kind of have that in the back of your mind. You know, if you never fully get comfortable with the job, you're probably going to be a very good safe driver. Um, it's when you get too cocky is, is when things are going to start going down and just communicate with your family at home, be patient, really just patience <laughs> is it, is it, that will affect your mood greatly. Right. And that's, that's something you just really have to keep in, in check. Right. And just a positive attitude and, you know, and we have to ask Shane the same question. Yeah. Shane. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say two things. I mean, one of the things I saw Russell do really well was preparation before we, before we left to go anywhere, before we got on the road, he was meticulously looking at his GPS and the customer to see how he was going to arrive, how he was going to stage himself, when he was going to, when it was time to depart, how he would do that. Um, and so I think preparation is a huge part of being right. safe. And again, he was just a professional in that regard. For me, like my biggest takeaway, again, like I had an appreciation before for what our drivers do. Um, but I would say the level of appreciation just ramped way up. I, I just had so much admiration for right. for what our drivers do and the time they spend away from their families, the sacrifice that takes. Russell just had a little baby girl. Like I can't imagine being away for two weeks um, even with the technology FaceTime that we have, it's, it's just a sacrifice and people don't often realize that. And so I, again, I'm just so appreciative to Russell, to his wife who's here with us and to all of our drivers at our company for everything they do. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great experience for me. I sec I second that. So I third it. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, yeah, thank absolutely. you very much. So can we sneak in one fun question? What's what's guess, the yeah. what's <laughs> the craziest thing that's happened to you on the on the road in your driving career? Um so I had a particular week in Missouri, Missouri and Kansas. Um I blew a steer tire with a trainee driving my truck. Um that was terrifying just on its own. Anybody that has been around trucks or has driven trucks know that blowing a steer is 
pretty much worst case situation that can happen, right. you know, especially 65 miles an hour with the cruise control on. You don't really expect those kind of things exactly. to happen. Um, fortunately, trainee handled it just as good as I would have. Um, the day after that, we're going I-70 in Kansas, pretty windy day. Um, my particular load was heavy and it was all pretty down low in the trailer. So I wasn't too worried about the wind. Um, he was driving once again, um, had an SUV pulling a camper trailer pass us in the left lane, right as he got to the nose of my truck, his camper trailer completely lifted off the ground through the truck into the median sideways. I thought they were going to roll over just because it was kind of soft Kansas dirt. Right. Um, fortunately they didn't, but once they came out of the median, they were completely sideways going across the freeway in front of my truck, basically. Um, so we did not hit them, but judging from where I was in the passenger seat, I think we were probably about three or four feet from missing them and we would have T-boned them right, right in their passenger door. So that's probably the craziest thing that's, that's Crazy. happened to me. Um, especially a day after blowing a steer. I'm going to be honest. I told my dispatcher, I was like, Hey, when I get to Denver, I just like hang out for a day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't send me any so, loads. Yeah, so I want to know if the trainee made it through his training program after he did. He probably got, uh, the most real training out of any, any <laughs> training I've had. Um, yeah, that's just something. Those are two freak things to happen. Sounded yeah. like some Burt Reynolds stuff there. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm really sad we didn't use that for one more story, Corey, but good enough for <laughs> us. It's kind of funny. I, I ran through there um, a couple months ago, and I remember it was right at mile marker four on I-70, right at the Colorado-Kansas state line. Um this was several months after that happened. Yeah. And you can still see the skid marks from my truck <laughs> right at the mile <laughs> marker side. You see two double yeah. 11s going down the highway yeah. with a swerve at the very end of the shoulder. And that right. was when we swerved to avoid T-boning them. And I just thought it was kind of funny that <laughs> my skid marks are still there, still on display. It's like, hey, I did that. I'm glad you guys <laughs> yeah, made it out exactly. safely. Me too. Yeah. Yep. So well, we really appreciate both of you coming on today and being with us for Absolutely. Beyond the Rig. Thank you, yes, sir, thank you both here. for yeah. taking time. Exactly. Good. I learned a thank lot. Thank you. So, Will, wrap it up. Oh, uh, man. It's been so long since uh, since we've had to wrap one of these up over here. So uh, we just want to thank everybody for watching, listening over here. Uh, you can subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. And I heard uh, we're going to TikTok. Yeah. That's kind of a new one over here. Where you have to dance? Uh, I don't know. I can, <laughs> I can, I can barely talk. I think that's talk. where you have to dance. That's what Linda wasn't even here, and it's, it was kind of funny that I'm we, looking forward next next podcast to having you dance. Yeah, we never TikTok. even got the whole spiel from last season down, and then they go throwing in TikTok. So we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and look forward to doing many more with you. Thanks, Will. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. Today on Beyond the Rig, we're going to make a vice president see what it's really like to be over the road. Now, let's get trucking. <laughs> <laughs>